I want to change lives. I want to show people how to progress in their money. I want to show people how to progress in their mindset. I want to show people how to progress in their brand so that way they can take care of their family, take care of their finances, and experience freedom. Hey, Nas, thank you so much for joining us today on The Progression Show, man. I'm so excited to have you today. So, Nas, you know, let's take it. I see that you're at your office. I see the plaques behind you. I see the degrees behind you. What degrees is that behind you that you have? Um, this one, I have so many. No, I'm just kidding. Um, this one is for the United States Tax Court that I can represent clients. And then that one is from the Supreme Court of California when I passed the bar. And then there's some that I haven't put up. There's more on the other wall. <laughs> what, what, what other degrees do you have? I have an MBA. I obviously have my uh, JD when I went to law school. And then my bachelor's is up there. Man, all of this education. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, a college, I'm a college dropout. So, so I'm ignorant to some of, the, some of the details of how important the degrees are. And in your experience, how important has college degrees have been? Well, I mean, it just really depends. I think that you cannot have degrees and be very successful. You can have degrees and not be successful. But when it comes to the law, obviously you have to have these degrees and people feel more comfortable when they see that you've kind of, you know, you're experienced and well-rounded in many things. So for me, I had to differentiate myself. I couldn't just become a lawyer. Like I had to specialize in some things and I wanted to get another degree so I can say, yes, there are so many other attorneys that you can work with. But in addition to a legal background, I also have like a business planning background. So that was why it was really important for me to get the MBA. So when you got, to, when you got your MBA, what did you get it for? Was it, was it to be an attorney? Because I see that you're an attorney now. Is it to be an attorney or did you get it for another reason? And then you no, became an attorney? How did that I, come about? Yeah, I had, already, I had already finished law school and I wanted, to, I wanted to get into estate planning and business planning. But I think that... Um, I didn't want to think in a very linear way. I wanted to have another degree to look at the other side of it, the financial planning side of it. Um, yeah, I can, I can legally help you prepare a bit like how to start a business, but I also have to teach you like what you should spend your money on and doing budgets and business plans. And there's so many other, sorry, the phone's like going off. There's so many other layers to um, helping someone in the legal profession, and I just wanted to have that another layer to add to my resume. What has been the challenges you being in the legal profession and in this industry? What has been the challenges as a woman, especially mm -hmm. a powerful woman at that, being in this industry? Well, I think number one, yes, it's hard being a woman being in the legal profession, but specifically the area of the law that I practice, estate planning, it's pretty male dominated and it's very conservative and traditional for the most part. So it's not necessarily interesting. You have a lot of, you know, older men that are kind of dominating that field, but it was really important for me to change it and um, make the topic interesting. And I guess you could say like, I wanted to make it sexy and fun because no one likes to talk about dying and taxes and all that stuff. But I put my spin on it and my personality on it. And a lot of people compliment me for the content that I create that, wow, you have a really interesting way of like taking a really boring, dull topic and making it interesting and easy to understand. So it was really hard to kind of um, not go with the norm and just kind of put my own personality on the law because a lot of people tend not to do that. So I think that was probably one of the biggest challenges. How many years have you been practicing? Almost 10. So 
So, so almost 10, so nine and a half, almost 10 years ago, when you first mm-hmm. entered, what were some of your insecurities that you experienced? Um, I hated the fact that I was young. I still look kind of young for my age. And I kind of turned that around and, and made it, um, it became to my advantage to be younger. So when people come into my office and they're doing their estate planning documents, they're like, aren't you a little too young? And I always say, would you rather an attorney outlive you for these estate planning documents or you want an attorney that's going to die before you? And then they realize the importance of like having an attorney that's a little bit younger, more educated about like, you know, the changes in the law and has the energy to kind of go for it and help people and, and be there for the long run. So you took something that was essentially an odd that was against you and you turned mm-hmm. it around and you said, Hey, this is how I'm going to make it pro- uh, this is how I'm going to make it um, positive and yeah. in my, my advantage. Yeah, totally. <laughs> how, how do you go about doing that? Like what was the system or the idea or, or what's the way that you did that? Because some people would soak in that misery and say, look, I'm young I, and nobody likes me and, and nobody wants to do business with me and probably quit. But you decided to you know, continue to progress on. I mean, I think I had no choice. What was I going to do? Sit and sulk in my like misery of being young. And that's kind of like a, that's a funny thing to be sad about that you're young. And I just turned it around and I said to myself, I have so many opportunities to uh, create a business that's going to be, you know, long lasting and it's going to create a legacy and it's going to change the industry. And I have time on my side and a lot of people necessarily don't. So it's all about mindset. I mean, I could have sat there and been like really miserable and sad that people look at me as a young attorney that doesn't know anything, but I just educated myself and I, I tried to get as much information from different mentors and different um, attorneys that were in my life on how you can really build a successful practice. I just used time to my advantage. And how, how, how important has mentorship been in your practice? I think it's really crucial. I think in the beginning, I kind of um, I fought it off and I think I figured I could do everything myself, but you need a team, a strong team around you, whether they're in the business or they support you. Um, it's really important to have that, that team of people you can always rely on. Um, you can't do it by yourself because you're constantly going to be in your head and you're going to, you know, you're going to make things bigger than they really are. And sometimes you got to step back and, um, contact someone that you trust to kind of give you another perspective of, Hey, it's going to be okay. I went through this and I support you. It's really important on your journey in this, you know, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship train to either have people that support you or want to be part of that change. If they don't want to, then you gotta, you gotta move on. I always say you're either on my train or under it. So (laughs) you're either gonna, you're either gonna get on board or we're gonna like part ways powerful mentality you have. So, you know, what, what I've recognized uh, uh, about you personally is that there's a plethora of different attorneys in, in different types of law, that practice in different types of mm-hmm. law. But however, you have a personal brand where I go to another attorney's uh, social media websites and pages, and it's like a picture of them and that cat that they posted in November 2016. <laughs> and then that, that, that was it. And then we go to your, your, your online media uh, profiles, and we see uh, videos giving value to people, but it's not specifically about law. And how has that been beneficial to your business by having a personal brand where you have thousands of people watching you doing interviews like this in comparison to your counterparts who don't have a personal brand? Well, you got to stand out. I think that in this day and age, a lot of people do mindless scrolling. So they're not even reading 
most of the things that you're posting or, you know, they're not really watching videos all the way through. Um, so it's really important to grab their attention immediately. And whether that's with thought provoking questions or, you know, having a certain look, um, you have to move with the times. And I think a lot of attorneys um, have that old school mentality. It's like, you got to be professional. You have to have a suit and tie. You have to have a certain hairstyle. And it's like, that's not going to work on social media. It's, it's just not. I mean, mm. there are a lot of uh, attorneys that have been practicing longer than I have, and they have social media, but they reach out to me. How are you able to do these videos and make it interesting? And I say, there's no, there's no trick. I just, I've incorporated my personality. And I think with a lot of professions, it's advocated to kind of turn off that, that personal emotion, that personal touch and just go with a, a script that's, that's worked for other professionals. And it doesn't work like that anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then in your, in your industry, let's, let's, let's take it back almost nine and a half. No, no, it'll be over nine and a half. So let's take it back 10 years ago when mm -hmm. you're just, you're just starting out. I'm your cousin or I'm your friend, so, someone who's close to you. What happened to our relationship as you continue to go and excel in this business? Like I said, people were either going to be on my train or under it. Um, people started dwindling like flies, not necessarily family, but just like friends in my life. Um, especially being a woman, I think that um, there's, there's, and you've heard me say this before, there's a cultural uh, pressure, their societal pressure to meet certain expectations. As women, we have a biological clock. So I started noticing the more focus I got in my business, and that became my priority. Um, a lot of other women that were in my life were going a different direction, and they didn't understand what I was doing and what I wanted to accomplish. And they weren't very supportive of it because they were more focused on finding husbands, having babies. And I, I love that. And that was their journey, but it wasn't mine. And they would in the process kind of criticize me and make me feel um, like I needed to be doing something else. And I, I fell into that in the beginning, but then I realized, you know, us women, we want a full package, but we cannot be an empty envelope like ourselves. You want a full package, you have to bring something to the table to match it, you know? So for me, that wasn't a priority of like finding a life partner. It was more being comfortable in my own skin, establishing like a financial foundation for myself before I let someone enter my arena. You know what I mean? Mm. So I think a lot of people, we just, we parted ways. I mean, I have respect for them, but they just didn't understand the vision and that was okay. All right, sweet. So uh, let's fast forward now that we're in this day and age, I see you at the grocery store and I say, man, she's beautiful. I want to get her number. I get your number and I want to take you out on a date. Mm -hmm. Go on a date and I find you interesting. Mm -hmm. Now that I find you interesting, <laughs> what's going to be the, the outcome of the relationship if I am a dominant man where I am successful in my business, successful in essentially all areas of my life, and I'm looking for a woman who can be the housewife? That's not going to happen. We're going to part ways. <laughs> um, first of all, I like consistency and I like people um, that kind of vibe with me in the sense like they're, they take control. And I think a lot of people have this misconception because I'm all about women empowerment that I don't believe women need men. I think women need men and men need women equally. And there's something that men can bring to the table that women can't. There's something women can, that can bring to the table and they can't. And I'm very traditional in the sense of I want to be courted. I want to be respected. I want to be treated like a queen because I am. 
but I'm also going to treat my man like a king. And so those are conversations that you got to have before it even progresses. And I don't think that I would ever attract a man that would want to have me be just a housewife. Like those kind of men are not attracted to me to begin with. So I don't think they would ever ask me out and, and we would even get it to a first or second date. That would never happen. And I would say no. <laughs> what has been the challenges with dating being such a powerful woman, especially in, in a society now that mm-hmm. men are confused as to how to court women um, in this day and age? What has been your experience with dating men? Um, I think the problem has been just time, having the time to even go out for a meal or share a meal. So usually if I'm doing something socially or someone's going to approach me, it's, it's business related. So I'm not spending time with people just to have fun and, you know, have a couple of drinks and relax. If I'm going to dinner, or if I'm going out for drinks or whatever the case may be, or a social event, it's going to be work related. So I'm trying to, the, 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 the struggle has been incorporating the social life and the business life together and finding a, a, a balance. And it's very hard to turn that off. And you understand and this. 100%, 100%. And, and, and now, you know, this is, this is a dope interview too, because I'm going to have women who are going to listen to this. And in my life, I've, ex- I've experienced the, the, the two, uh, like the, the one side of the spectrum where the woman who's hungry and determined and is mm-hmm. a hunter as well as I am, mm-hmm. and then which is what you are, and then the woman who's like, yo, I just want to be taken care of, like, just just give me a stipend every month. So I've, I've as a man, I've experienced both sides of the spectrum, yeah. and what I'm looking for is is the middle. Middle, now, yeah. What are you looking for in in the type of men that you're looking to uh, be in a relationship? And ironically, would they end up being in the same field that you're in? Well, yeah, probably. Probably, I, I'm looking for a co-founder. I'm looking for, mm-hmm. you know, I I had put up this quote the other day or a while ago, and it was, you know, I'm just a queen that's created an empire, and I'm looking for a king to help me run it. And and it's essentially, I I want someone that's going to mirror that same sentiment, like they've created a successful life for themselves, but they understand the concept of two is better than one in the sense when two strong people come together and they're not stubborn and they turn off their ego and their pride, they can build something great. So I live with purpose, purpose over popularity always. So I need someone that understands that purpose, that can contribute to the purpose and has their own identity and purpose. And when those two lives meet, something magical happens and an empire gets created that's bigger than I could have ever imagined. So I need someone that is strong enough to understand that vision and also want to contribute to that vision. So we're, we're touching on some, we're, t- we're touching on some uh, touchy topics here and mm-hmm. it's very, it's very interesting. So when I ask you questions, I'm looking at it, I'm looking at it from two perspectives. Perspective number one is going to be the perspective of the, the young man who is an ambitious man who is looking for a relationship, but not wanting the relationship with a woman who's just like, Hey, I just want to be the housewife or just give me mm-hmm. money right. um, and, and figuring out how to. Uh, be in a relationship with a powerful woman, number one. And number two, I'm, look, I'm looking at it from the point of view of the young woman who's driving in her car right now, who's 25, 26 years old, and she's having challenges in dating because she's such a powerful woman, and mm-hmm. some, men are in, some men are intimidated by her. And sharing your, your perspective on life to support and guide that woman, 
sharing your perspective on life to support and guide that woman, as well as giving some insight to that man who's looking for yeah. uh, that understanding. I, I think that it's all about trusting the timing of your journey. You know, and I tell people this, don't live on other people's timelines because someone can find the man of their dreams at 21 and someone can find them at 40. But it's, it's that journey that you go through that builds you and creates character for you to attract who you are supposed to be, whether that's the universe or God aligning it, trust the timing. How do you know when it's the right time? Oh, you'll just know when you meet someone. You'll just know. When you have that, like, when you feel accomplished and you're like, I want to share this with someone else and I want someone else to experience this and, and help me create more and, and, and encourage me on like a romantic level, not like a friend, family level, then you'll know it's time to kind of, I don't know, keep your eye out for potential people that maybe they're right under your, <laughs> your eyes and you haven't even noticed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And from the man's point of view, how can a man, how, how can a man who says, hey, I'm interested in a woman who's a powerful woman and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm nervous that I'm going to be left on the back burner. How can a man court that woman? Well, see, that's what I'm saying. You have to be very comfortable in your own skin and you have to have your own identity and individual purpose. I think the problem is that a lot of people get involved with with others or they they get in intermarriages because they feel like they need someone to make them happy and that's when we see high rates of divorce and like problems in relationships you have to be happy on your own before you can be in a serious relationship so for those men that feel like they're going to be on the back burner you know when you're at a place in your life where you already feel happy and fulfilled that person's just adding value to your life so you also as a man have to get to a point where you're confident because she will eat you alive if you feel like that like if you already feel like you're going to be put on the back burner you don't have the mental capacity to be with a strong woman gotcha so he has to work on it he has to he has to work on that now let's transition into timing so i see that you're you know you have a one hectic one hectic schedule you're working in los angeles california with high end high net worth individuals Mm -hmm. how do you harm harmonize your personal life and your work life what is, still, system, what is actually a system that you use? I'm still trying to learn that. Um, I think that, you know, when you love what you do, it almost doesn't even feel like work. So like when I mentioned to you that a lot of the events that I do that are outside of the office are work related, I really enjoy being around those people and um, we're, we're on the same wavelength. So that's the way I try to balance it is doing more work events that are social in nature and kind of, um, you know, I'm, I'm starting to, I told myself in 2020 that I'm going to accept many invitations for events. Cause I always used to say, no, like I don't have time to be out of the office, but you know, just last week I went to San Diego for a, uh, a women's luncheon. And I, and I told myself that at least once a week, I have to go to an event that's outside of the office. Cause it's very hard for me to detach myself from this workspace. So that has been my priority. At least once a week, leave the office. So you'll be speaking. I'm, I'm grateful to have you. You'll be speaking on the Progression Conference National yes. Tour. What is the message that you're going to bring to the audience? My goal is to, number one, empower, whether that's a man or a woman that's sitting in the audience, to know that you can create a life that you love and nothing is impossible. Um, but I also want to show them the importance of what I do, which is estate planning and financial planning and provide some financial and legal literacy for someone that may not even know what that is and 
How do you create wealth? How do you protect wealth? How do you create a life that you love? And how do you help others in the process? Um, that's going to be my main focus. And um, hopefully, if I can help one person on this 13-city speaking tour, then I, I will feel accomplished. Now, and let me, let me ask you, from, from a millennial standpoint, because, you know, you're, you're talking about estate planning and financial mm -hmm. literacy. Mm -hmm. And me being 25, what comes up to mind is like, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. That sounds like something for like, hey, man, when I'm 60 years old or 50 years old. No. So share with me from a, from <laughs> yeah. a millennial standpoint. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have that misconception. I mean, just currently in the news, we just saw what happened to Kobe Bryant yesterday. He was 41 years old. And I know a lot of people say, well, you're comparing someone that's a multimillionaire that needs planning to me. And I just have, you know, a condo and a bank account. And what I say is that you don't have to have Kobe money or Oprah money to do estate planning or educate yourself about financial literacy. I mean, we are entering a time where we cannot rely on social security and the government to help us when we are older in life. And there's going to have to be some conversations about long-term care planning or how do we take care of our families if something were to happen when the when the breadwinner of the family falls ill or an emergency happens. So I always say, Accidents do not discriminate against age, gender, race. When it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And the most selfish thing you can do is leave behind problems for your family or not have your stuff organized, whether that's a small bank account and a small condo that still has like a huge loan on it. You don't want your family to go through the court process and have a complete stranger come in and tell them what to do. I always say, if you don't have a plan, the government has one for you and you're not going to like the plan that they pick for you. Mm. Now, but for from a from a millennial standpoint, that twenty six year old, twenty five year old, who's that woman who's driving in the car that just loved what you shared, by the way, about mm -hmm. the uh, about her advice on relationships. But she's saying to herself, like, I'm just single, little me. I, like, I'm not even, I'm not married. I don't have kids. Is that too early for me to even get started? No, it's even it's even more important when you don't have children because that's when you have to think longer about who would I want to inherit my stuff whether that's like an antique watch that's been in your family for generations, or you have a retirement account set aside and you have some good money in there. Um, I think it's more important for people that are single to really have these conversations because they may not like what the government does. I mean, if you don't have a plan, they will distribute it to your next living relative. So your next living relative could be a cousin in let's say Atlanta that you hate and you haven't talked to in like 10 years all of a sudden they call them up and they're like, Hey Bobby, you just inherited like $55,000. Come pick it up. I mean, you really have to think about what you want and not allow someone else to kind of control your life because we control every little detail of our lives and we put in the time and the energy. I mean, whenever a new iPhone comes out, I see a lot of millennials standing in line waiting to buy that $1,000 phone. If you have $1,000 to buy a phone and you have the time to stand in line for hours for a phone, you have time to, you know, deal with these, with these concepts and these issues. So your family doesn't have to. So tactically, what would, what would a millennial or someone who is single without kids, what would they tactically have to be doing or should they be doing uh, to prepare? You know, it's not even about like leaving uh, money to a beneficiary. It's also about having power of attorney documents. And what I mean by that is if you become incapacitated where you're in a coma or you get 
you know, whatever, you're in a car accident, you can't sign for yourself. You need to select someone, an agent to make financial and medical decisions for you. A lot of the times we see young people faced with this issue where they didn't plan properly and there's no one that can legally, you know, sign checks for them, pay their mortgage, pay their car note, and then Mm. everything gets repossessed or, you know, it goes into foreclosure because no one can access their bank accounts because they didn't have the power of attorney or they're in a coma and the families start fighting over whether they're going to keep them on life support, but they didn't have that conversation about, you know, what would I want in if I'm in a situation where I can't speak for myself. So it's not so much about like leaving behind money. It's also about what happens if you become incapacitated. And like I said, those accidents, they're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have this person get into a car crash because they're 25. Like if it's your time to get into a car crash, it's your time to get into a car crash, you know? Right. We, we unfortunately saw yesterday that Kobe Bryant, yeah. his 13-year-old daughter, got into an accident and both of them uh, passed away. Yeah. So in having a power of attorney, so the step one, number one is to get in touch with an attorney. Is that what it is? Yes. Get in yeah. touch with an attorney. And then number two, choose, them, choose a plan and have them become your power of attorney. Yes. And this is, this is what you're doing working with millennials and other people. Yeah, I have a lot of young clients actually that come in because they see either friends or other family members, you know, get into accidents and then it's just like a wake up call for them. So they take the initiative. So don't wait for something bad to happen. I always say when you don't have an estate plan, it's like driving in your car without a seatbelt. If you get into an accident and you fly out of the windshield, you can't tell the paramedics, I want to go back and put my seatbelt on. It's all about timing. Um, So having these documents before something bad happens is key. Gotcha. And then, so now they have you guys a power of attorney. What's the process there for afterward? What's the experience there for afterwards? From someone who's an, an uneducated, someone like myself, like mm-hmm. from 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 an impoverished area that that moved to the West Coast and and having a brand new experience in life and growing up, what would that experience be like there for after? Like after you get the documents and everything so, is so in order. After you choose your power of attorney, now you got your yes. power of attorney. What's the experience well, with the attorney there for after? Oh, so I create long lasting relationships. It's not like you're going to come to me once and then never see me again. As you grow your empire or you expand or you decide to get married, there's going to be updates to these documents. So you're always going to come back maybe to me or maybe another attorney that you feel more comfortable with. So it's never a quick relationship. Estate planning attorneys are kind of like therapists. We're going to be there for you for the highs and the lows, new children, deaths, bankruptcy, um, inheriting a lot of money or making a lot of min- money, starting a new business, we're always going to be involved in that conversation and that plan. Gotcha. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you to start, especially with the people who are in California? Yeah, they can visit my website, barutilaw.com, B-A-R-O-U-T-I law.com. Or you can visit me on my Instagram, Nas Baruti, N-A-Z-B-A-R-O-U-T-I. And what's the last piece of content that you want to share with the, with the listener that the, the person that's listening who's saying to herself, wow, this was powerful. I loved what she shared and she has more. What would that more be? Um, that more would be to definitely follow me on Instagram and follow me on the 13 city tour, because I, I don't think that each speaking event is going to bring the same energy. I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. And there's going to be golden nuggets that I drop at different locations. So I think for someone that really wants to absorb the information and what those speakers have to bring to the table, I would literally go to all the events, all the speaking tours, because 
you never know. Like I'm a wild one. One day I may give you some golden nuggets about financial planning the other day about legal planning. So you don't want to miss that. It's, it's, it's really invaluable because, um, or I can't put a price on it actually, because when I tell people, when I, I have my radio show every Saturday here in Southern California, I tell them, I'm like, all this information I'm providing you guys, people pay me thousands of dollars for it. So you should always have a pen and paper when you're listening to me because truly people pay me five, $600 an hour to help them with this stuff. So I don't know, man, if, if I were you, I would definitely listen to things I have to. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So yeah, the opportunity is in the show up and you know, yeah. and, I, and I have it right here. Maybe you can see it. Maybe you cannot. But oh, yeah, when you sh- when you show up physically and you show up powerfully, you are bound to receive an opportunity. So if you want to see Nas on stage at the Progression Conference Tour in, uh, 2020, go to progressionticket.com. That's right, progressionticket.com and see, see Nas up there. Nas, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. See you later.